Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. I like to call it Wizard of Oz journalism. It's, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. We know what we're doing. You're lucky to have us. You will take what we give you and you will <laughs> like it instead of really investing time and understanding what people need from you. You know, not just throwing out a question and waiting for people to respond and then patting yourself on the back because you've engaged. It's like, you know, real engagement happens when you're adjusting what you're doing based on the feedback you're getting and where your coverage is really influenced by what you're getting back. That's that's a relationship. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with resources and conversations to help journalists do their jobs better. Today on Skype, I'm talking to Joy Mayer, who's an engagement strategist and consulting fellow at the Reynolds Journalism Institute. Welcome to the podcast, Joy. Thank you for having me. So the reason we're talking, you're an engagement specialist, is you've recently done a study about uh, reader engagement. But before we get into that, let's let's sort of talk about your journalist's journey. You know, how did you become an engagement strategist? So my career actually started as an editor and as a page designer, print design back in the day, which seems like a really natural fit leading into engagement work because to me, designers are always the people in a print newsroom focused on the consumption of information, not just the craft of storytelling. So I always felt like I was an advocate for the reader in a way saying, yeah, we did this huge story, but are, is anyone going to find it? Is it accessible? Are the most important parts obvious? Have we made it as easy as possible for people to navigate this? So my career in print design led me to teaching at the Missouri School of Journalism. I created a web design class there and then did a fellowship at the Reynolds Journalism Institute focusing on audience engagement. I was hearing this term everywhere and had no idea what it was and what, really wanted to study that. So in 2010, 2011, I spent a year interviewing dozens of journalists about what this looked like in their very different newsrooms, Looking, held a workshop about measuring the impact of engagement work, and then created a curriculum at the journalism school there around audience engagement. It sort of sounds like uh, an evolution of, you know, going from print into digital of, you know, what your old job used to be that, you know, you were taking, you know, the reporting, the stories that the the reporters and editors had done and, and presenting them in a way that would make it easier for the, the reader consu to consume. So it seems like a natural evolution. It does, except that design, print design, was really still about one-way communication. So it might have been about making it accessible, making the product accessible and friendly for the readers, but it was still about us broadcasting what we had. And engagement work at its core is really about building a relationship and about two-way communication. Yeah, and that's a lesson I think um, a lot of people in the digital space are, who have come out of print had, had a hard time sort of getting through Getting that understanding of the of you know oh this is this is what we think is the most important story here it is right in front of your face read it and this is what what we deem you should be concerned about and that's really not what digital journalism is about correct no it's not I mean that to me is I like to call it Wizard of Oz journalism it's you know pay no attention to the man behind the curtain we know what we're doing you're lucky to have us you will take what we give you and you will <laughs> like it and instead of really investing time and understanding what people need from you you know, not just 
throwing out a question and waiting for people to respond and then patting yourself on the back because you've engaged. It's like, you know, real engagement happens when you're adjusting what you're doing based on the feedback you're getting and where your coverage is really influenced by what you're getting back. That's that's a relationship. Yeah, well, that's really funny because, you know, when people start adapting things like, you know, Twitter and, you know, making that part of their job, for example, Twitter or Facebook, and they say, oh, okay, I'll just post my story on there and I'm done. I've done my engagement. I put it out there. It's still broadcasting. It's still not, you know, taking, you know, trying to set up a dialogue and, and actually listening to what your your readers care about or, or even really want to hear. You may put that story out and they could care less. Uh, yeah, that's 100 percent true. And, you know, I still see so many occasions where community members are talking back to journalists on social platforms or on comments and the journalists aren't even there. They don't even know. You know, I understand that if you work in a really large organization, you might get thousands of comments back from users every day. And, and you know, there's a problem of scale there, I understand. But but sometimes it's not even a problem of scale. Sometimes the problem is just that journalists aren't investing the time in even catching the messages that are coming back, much less responding to them, thanking people for them. And, you know, the real pinnacle of engagement work is allowing your coverage to be influenced by what you're getting back. So why should I care? I mean, really, my, my job is to, to go out and cover something. I, you know, I've, I've got this beat. I've been covering it for years. I understand these things. I understand what I think is the important aspect of the story. Why should I care about what the reader says? Well, that to me, the, the heart of that question is, do you want a relationship with your with the people you aim to serve or do you just want to broadcast? And if you just want to broadcast, are you confident the people you're broadcasting to will stick around if they don't have a deeper connection with you? For me, the um, the idea of why you should care is about, you know, the existence of an audience, you know, producing content in a way that people are likely to find and feel a connection with and want to share engagement strategies are often a really easy way to grow your audience. You know, the way content travels is just crazy. So a, a really successful Facebook post is the absolute easiest way to get exposure for what you're doing beyond the people who already see it. More than that, if you want people to have a sense of connection with you, if you want them to trust you, they need to have an idea of who you are. They need to to show that they need to feel that you will be consistently there. They want to feel like they can be heard if they talk back to you. Yeah, and I think the other part of that is that the reader now has the ability to go and search for that information in other places. And, you know, you need to sort of, in many ways, open yourself up to, you know, why they should come to you. And one of the ways to do that is to establish that relationship. Yep, absolutely. It's funny. I'm, I'm just this sort of conversation got me thinking about uh, an exchange that I saw on Facebook a few months back, which I can only describe as a petulant journalist. Um, <laughs> that, I know the type. That well, here you know, I did this really great story, and you know, nobody's reading that story, but they're all reading this crazy, you know, stupid story about you know some newspaper guy doing something stupid. That doesn't make sense. I mean, there's just something wrong with the people out there. Right. And, uh, you know, that's one of those reasons where if you put the time in to, to establish these relationships, that time you do have that big story, they're going to be there for you. They're, they're going to want to hear it. Exactly right. You know what that story makes me think about? You know, so many journalists feel like they only get good engagement or good response or a big volume of response when they write about really easy things. You know, the post you have about the new brewery opening or the, you know, the movie theater that's about to start selling beer in the theater is going to do way, way better than the very important sort of fourth estate journalism story you're doing. You know, that's often true, especially on social platforms. So I have a couple things to say about that. One of them is, 
you have to think about what people are in the mood to do on social platforms. So when I know that when I'm on Facebook, I'm not usually getting on Facebook. My primary motivation is not usually to get educated about my local taxes. It's usually to connect with family and friends and to, you know, it's kind of a diversion. So um, we have to realize that what people engage with on social media is not a referendum on what they value from us overall. It's a referendum on what they want to engage with on Facebook. So it might be that there are very important things that you do that are just not a good fit for specific social platforms. But the other thing is that I want to tell you about the Ogden Standard Examiner, which is a newsroom I was I was working with as part of this project I've been doing. They show up every day in their Facebook comments. They thank people for commenting. They ask follow-up questions. They really invest in being in conversation with their community. And because they do it on things like, what's your favorite Mexican restaurant in town? Oh, I love that dish too. Where do you go for ice cream after? Then when they pose a question about what do you think about this idea to raise taxes to, to you know increase salaries for law enforcement, they'll get 150 comments in not that big of a town. And it's because they've earned the right to ask those tougher questions. The newsrooms that invest in conversation see that pay off around topics that other newsrooms struggle with. And I can see that, that I think... You know, the, we have to sort of get beyond this idea that the the newspaper, the news outlet, owns the news. That we're just involved in sort of the conversation. You know, our job is to, to sort of report and disseminate this information. And our job was tons easier when all we had to do was just publish something and just sort of like, well, people will read it because we never really had a sense of what people were thinking about our stories outside of the occasional, you know, crank phone call and uh, letter to the editor. But by and large, it was, you know, we were sort of operating in the dark and we kind of made assumptions about who our audience was. And now we have this technology that not only allows us to communicate with our audience, but actually see their readership patterns and, you know, what time of the day they're reading stories, what types of stories they're type of reading, you know, what story they start in, but then where do they move to? And so the more we know about our readers, you know, the more important it is for us to sort of understand what they want. And because once we do that, then we can actually sort of deliver the, to the things that they want. And in there, you know, we mix in our vegetables. I think, you know, that, that's been my experience is sort of seeing becoming a digital journalist and, and having, you know, data analytics at my fingertips and, and social media platforms to sort of see how people interact. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I would add that vegetables can be delicious. <laughs> I had these Brussels sprouts the other night cooked with roasted with bacon and they were the absolute highlight of the meal. And my kids love them. So I think that too often we sort of oversimplify news into like Cheetos and broccoli when in fact you should be taking a look at all of the different ways you cover local government. And within those storytelling formats you have and types of news and frequency of updates, you know, which ones resonate. Don't try to compare your opening of the new craft brewery to the city council report, you know, compare apples to apples, but do figure out what of what we're doing in local government is the most consumed, the most shared, the most engaged with, what are people clearly learning the most from and finding the most value in? Okay, you've convinced me. So now <laughs> I, I need to, these people who were formerly known, known as the audience, now, now apparently I have to have some sort of relationship with them. Oh, this is true. How do I, how do I go about doing that? At the core of this, what I try so hard to instill in newsrooms is a genuine desire to hear from their audience. 
an understanding of what can happen when you open up the lines of communication. So what I usually advise for people just getting started in this is to pick one topic that you're really excited about and where you think, man, if I could really involve the community in this, they could help me tell the story. So maybe it's memories for of a high school for your anniversary or something. It's like the 100th anniversary of a high school and you really want to tell that story well. So think about how could you tell that story better if the community were involved? Let them know what you're working on before you publish anything. Invite memories. Ask them to tag people who they think will want to weigh in. Follow up saying, oh, that's so interesting. I've never heard that before. Can you tell me more about that? Do you have a picture of that? Try to tell a story in conjunction with your community. How does that enrich then your, your storytelling? Well, um... <laughs> The cheap answer that a lot of people gravitate to, but it's absolutely true, is that sometimes it makes what you're doing way easier. If your inbox is flooded with memories of the high school, you know, there's you, you have your sources and your angles just presented to you. The next answer is that look at all the people who've engaged with you who wouldn't have otherwise. Look at all the people who may not have even known that you did this work, but because their high school friend tagged them on Facebook, they they have an idea about it. I've posed questions in Facebook groups. You know those like nostalgia Facebook groups where it's like, you know you're from Columbia Mo if most communities have them. And I have posed questions in there around things related to Columbia history when my last newsroom was in Columbia, Missouri. And I mean, I got hundreds of responses. And then I would get back in and say, great, thank you so much. Here, thank you. And I would tag the people who contributed and, and say, here are the people who made it into the story. And here's a link to the story. And it just went gangbusters. It's like this idea that there's a built-in audience for the story and a built-in group of people who want to help you tell it. It just makes the whole thing effortless and it vastly increases your reach. So how is this different? I mean, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a serious journalist. I'm covering serious news here. Congratulations. But... <laughs> we all are. I'm, I'm just supposing. I'm making believe I'm a serious journalist. And so, you know, I've got these you know, these really important stories. You know, how do I avoid just, you know, somebody might say, well, I'm just that argument is that I'm just giving the, the readers what they want. I'm not actually giving them something that's that's enriching them. That, that's not my fine journalistic efforts. Mm -hmm. Yep. I hear from editors a lot that they're afraid that if they give people what they want, it will just be fluff. It'll be celebrity news. It'll be crime news. And, you know, most analytics just don't bear that out. And a lot of really engagement projects are finding that users really will engage around more serious topics if they're asked to do it in a way that feels genuine and if they're asked to do it in a way that's easy to connect with, I guess. You know, it's not that every news outlet needs to start asking people about the best ice cream shop in town. It's that each news outlet needs to figure out what do people value in us and what are they here to talk about and care about and how can we engage them in that? So for some audiences, that might be education policy. And for others, it might be the history of their you know, mid-sized community in Utah. You've got to decide for yourself. But if you don't have an audience that wants to engage with you, I guess I would question whether you really have an audience and, frankly, a business model. I hear you on that. And my experience here at Federal News Radio in using data analytics and sort of you're making decisions based on on basically what what the audience wants to read and making decisions about the stories we choose to cover, but also the placement of the stories on the website, how we present them, you know, the things that we, we cared about, certainly when we're in the, the, you know, in the print medium where, you know, let's, let's make sure we have pictures with this. Let's make sure we have headlines that are engaging, that are going to get people. I mean, these are all the same sort of skills, but in, in, in a very different way, trying to get the same result, which is to get people to read your good content. Right. 
which, I mean, don't we all care about that? Like, are there journalists out there who truly are neutral about whether anybody pays attention to what they're doing? I mean, if so, I, I'm not sure I've worked with them and I'm not sure why they're in the business. I think we all would say what we're doing matters, whether it's that we think we're really clever and entertaining or we think we're serving democracy. We believe in what we're doing. And of course, we want people to see it. And so, you know, marketing. One definition of marketing I love from Seth Godin is, you know, getting attention for something. Like, I want attention for my work. I feel like as a journalist, the work that I'm doing deserves attention. So let's focus some effort in helping people find it and interact with it. Let me tell you about a story we're working on yesterday, as a matter of fact. It was about, it was actually, it was about how federal employees use Twitter. And it was a really interesting story, I thought. And, and we, you know, when, we, when it was written and when we posted it online, we were kind of thinking, oh, this is, this is going to do well. This is going to sort of speak to people. But then it seemed to be underperforming. And we were trying to figure out why and how to present it. And we, we, you know, we threw all of our tricks that we've learned over the last couple of years at it, you know, you know changing up the headline, you know, moving it around, changing images with it. You know, it seemed to you know, people seem, seem to share it. They seem to like it on Facebook. And it did fine, but it didn't do great. And so for us, it was kind of, it was a learning experience in, in you know, for us to sort of step back from the story and look at it. And, you know, we, we, we considered it and said, well, maybe it could have been written a little bit differently. But there was still something in there and people did find it. Sometimes, you know, great stories just don't light a fire under people, no matter how much work you do, you do around them. And others that don't seem to be very important, you know, you, you, you said fluff before, that seem to sort of go gangbusters. You know, the more that you engage in this kind of thinking around your content, the more you can sort of learn what works, but you know, how you can sort of hone your craft to to present it in a way that's going to that, that people are going to be engaged with. Yep, absolutely. For me, so much of it is about a continual process of investing in understanding your audience and yep. your community. What is it they need from you? What mood might they be in? What about this is going to resonate with people and framing the way you share stories in relation to that? I think that a big part of of using all this data to inform our journalism has to be not just looking at the stories that work, but looking at the stories that don't. What are the stories that continually underperform? What are the topics and the beats that continually underperform? I think one benefit of using data to inform your newsroom that people don't talk about enough is that it can really help you make some hard decisions. As newsrooms tighten their belts and you have fewer people doing fewer stories, use data to help you decide what you're just not going to cover. Even if your journalism instincts tell you that it's really important or that you think people should want it. Look at the patterns of what people aren't consuming and either stop doing them or figure out what about what you're doing is not resonating with people and do it differently. Yeah. What I like about this thinking is it sort of takes in many ways, takes the responsibility away from you in the sense that, you know, getting as you understand more about what your audience wants and needs and their habits are, and you sort of refine the content that they're particularly interested in still, you know, using your news sense to create great content that in the long run, you end up building a better product. And it's not just about making your readers happy, but it's also informing them and, you know, giving them stuff in the way that, that they want to do it. We did some, we added some, a feature to our, our website. It was like a read time on our stories because we were kind of like trying to figure out how to get engagement up. And we'd seen that other places had done this and, and we've gotten, you know, we've heard some very positive impact for the, the people like the idea that when they open up a story that it tells them that it's going to take them a minute or two minutes to read. And it's just a little thing. So, you know, that's not a huge innovation, but it's, you know, just 
again, going back to and figuring out what they what, what's going to help people to find your good content, consume it, and deliver it to them in a way that they're just going to like it. They're going to yep. they're they're going to consume it better. Let's circle back to well, there are two things I want to talk about. Let's circle back first to to social media. You know, some people that that's a real challenge. And other people just go crazy with it. They just really, really embrace it. What do you, what are your advice for people who are starting out and trying to better themselves on social media? I think the first thing I would say is think about how people use social media as human beings, not as journalists. Try to write a little more informally, write with a little more emotion. You know, think about why someone might want to connect with something. The same way that when I'm, you know, posting pictures of my kids, I'm thinking about what about this is funny? Why am I choosing to share this anecdote, not this anecdote? You know, just just think through your audience and what they're likely to engage with. And the second thing I would say is you have to recognize that anywhere you open up a line of communication, you need to be there to catch what comes back. So social media is not about opening a platform at the beginning of the day, scheduling a bunch of posts and walking away until you open it up the next morning that you have to recognize the value in the conversation and the interactions. And speaking of conversation, uh, comments, I know that there are a lot of places that are sort of dealing with a lot of issues around comments. You know, the, there, there are websites that are news sites that are actually closing down their comments line because of, you know, trolling and, and negative comments and, and difficulty in, in sort of moderating. You know, what are your thoughts about, you know, the importance of comments and, and how people can, can utilize them to sort of build that engagement? Well, as with any engagement work, if you want it, you have to work for it. So I think the biggest problem with comments is that journalists thought that they could just turn on this space underneath stories, leave it unmoderated and untended to, and that beautiful civic dialogue would occur. <laughs> and the places that have good comment sections, they work for it, man. They have easy ways for people to flag abusive comments. They have ways to rank comments. Their journalists are present in the comments, just as you would be in a Facebook thread, thanking people for joining in, asking follow-up questions. They've built a community of people who value talking to each other. You know, good comments take a lot of work. They're not easy. In these times of, uh, you know, tight resources, sometimes people, if for them, it's it's easier just to turn them off because they don't, they don't have somebody who's, who's going to able to going to be able to dedicate themselves to it. What do you think about that? That people just turning off their common stream. I think it's dangerous not to have easy ways for the people you aim to serve to talk to you. But I don't think online comments are always the answer. And I would much rather see newsrooms turn them off than leave them on. And I mean, real harm can be done by abusive comment sections and untended comment sections. So if they're doing more harm than good, I think it's better to turn them off. But I would encourage you to talk in your newsroom about the ways that you're inviting people to talk to you and to each other and how you can cultivate that. Now, you just did this study with uh, the, the Reynolds Institute about engagement in newsrooms. Could you sort of talk about the logistics behind that and some of the things you found out? The Trusting News Project, which just went live this month, what we wanted to do was develop social media strategies designed to build trust. And when I pitched this project more than a year ago, I could not have imagined that the issue of trust in news would only get so much more important. But basically, we identified, interviewed people in journalism and out of journalism about factors for trust building. What do nonprofits know about this? What does the medical profession know about this? What do corporate brands know about this? We identified factors that were designed to enhance trust. Then we developed social media strategies we wanted news newsrooms to try. We invited newsrooms to sign up to help us. 14 newsrooms spent about three months each 
testing out strategies. They looked at our list and picked the ones that they thought were a good fit for their newsroom. And they um, committed to posting at least once a, once a week with each of their strategies in mind. They got some coaching from me and they logged how it worked. And so um, after a few months, we had across really a variety of community sizes, geography, platforms, mediums, and strategies and audiences, we had a look at what worked where. And what were some of the, can you give me some of the examples of uh, the strategies that you employed? Yep. So we were looking at, there were three themes. One theme was tell your story. And it was about how you communicate the value of what you do as a journalist. So how do you, and it, not just throw a link to an investigation up, but say, this is an example of our commitment to telling this kind of story or saying, you know, we're your neighbors. We live here too. Establishing your credibility, inviting people behind the scenes of journalism. So one set of strategies were about better telling the story of journalism and communicating our value. The second theme was about authentic engagement. How do we host good conversation? How do we write and respond as humans in comments, in our tone, (laughs) just like really about building relationships? The third theme we called Deploy Your Fans. And this was about encouraging the people who already follow you to share your work deploy the people who are already fans of what you do to help grow your audience. And so this one was really about what can we do to encourage sharing? Yeah. And that's something that, I mean, that's an aspect certainly of uh, social media that people don't always know how to leverage. They know how to broadcast, but you know, how do you engage somebody in a conversation? How do you get them to share your content with your friends and, or with their friends so that, so that you get to grow your audience that way? Yeah, um, especially given that the changes Facebook made to their algorithm this summer, right in the middle of when I had all these newsrooms testing things, they demonstrated again that they were favoring in the Facebook's algorithm was favoring posts made by people over posts made by pages. So if you want to grow your audience, getting individual people to share your posts or your links is important. So what do you what do you think about the relationship between uh, newsrooms and Facebook? I know that let, let me give you a little background. Of, it's sort of our relationship. You know, we we use Twitter, we use Facebook, we've tried LinkedIn, we wouldn't have as much success with that. But what we've seen is with Facebook, we have a lot more engagement than we we have in Twitter. Twitter is much more of a broadcast for us, although we've certainly seen people who who do well with that, reporters who do well with that. But the sort of the reliance on Facebook to be the place where you engage, you know, what do you think about that relationship between newsrooms and, and Facebook? Well, I have a lot of thoughts about that and a lot of frustrations with Facebook. I also don't know newsrooms that I don't think should be on Facebook. You know, it's it's where people are. It's still the easiest way to be a part of people's regular digital habits. So um, I have huge frustrations with the way, with the lack of transparency about how Facebook's algorithm ranks content. I've spent so much time hand-wringing with newsrooms over why are these posts doing well and these ones not, with no answers or access to support there. You know, I think Facebook really is easier and more accessible and friendly for really large newsrooms than it is for local newsrooms. And I do a lot of work with local newsrooms. So I have plenty of frustrations there, but I also think it's important for newsrooms to figure out how to work with it. So sort of going in that that same vein, is it easier for a a local newsroom to sort of establish engagement with their audience or, you know, is it easier for a larger newsroom? I think that 
probably depends what you mean by engagement in that question, because I think larger newsrooms, I mean, it's incredible the reach that larger newsrooms can have and the influence they can have. You know, they'll get 500 comments on something or, you know, 800 shares on something and just huge video views. So I think in terms of influence with content and reach of content, you know, getting people to share might be easier for bigger newsrooms. But the kind of engagement I get the most excited about is the relationship building and you know, that's easier with smaller newsrooms. One of the newsrooms in my project, the Enid News and Eagle is a daily newspaper in Oklahoma. I mean, they knew, they recognized a lot of the names of people commenting on Facebook. They, you know, they have in-person relationships to back up the digital ones. And, you know, the way that they were able, that they're able to leverage that for really good online conversations and for sharing, like I've never seen before, was incredible. So I think it, it depends on your goal. So what are your thoughts about video? Facebook, you know, if you've gone to the, the last ONA conference, my understanding was there were just so much conversation about oh Facebook Live and and video and and how it was it was driving engagement. I mean, is that something that you think is is real? Because I have a lot of different ideas about that. Well, I do think that especially as Facebook Live was rolling out, which was again in the middle of this project, it was a busy summer for Facebook changes. You know, the the view numbers were so inflated; it was crazy how many people were seeing video. That doesn't mean that that many people were watching video. It means they were showing up in their feeds. It doesn't mean that duration of the the watch time was, was always very long. I think Facebook is deciding to push video. And I think that how that works for you depends greatly on what kind of news organization you have. You know, I can't tell the Enid News and Eagle in Oklahoma that they need to invest heavily in video. That truly is not what their newsroom is set up to do. It's not what they do best. And I don't believe it's what their audience wants. I don't think that's what Enid Oklahoma is asking for from its daily newspaper. You know, when I, I had a phone call with Facebook a couple of weeks ago to talk about frustrations with local news and near the top of my list was, you know, when you say you want to push video, you can't think that that is of equal value to all kinds of news organizations. Now, maybe the newspaper in Enid Oklahoma needs to get friendly with doing some Facebook lives for, you know, behind the scenes in the newsrooms. Here are the top stories. Here's what we're hearing from you about this. It's not that they can't do any, but in terms of their content and their core mission, it's just not going to be video. Yeah. I remember a few years back talking to somebody about actual engagement in the newsroom where you would, where newsrooms would actually open up editorial meetings or they would uh, allow the public to come in. You know, what are your thoughts about things like that? I'm a huge fan of that. I visited the Newsroom Cafe project in Torrington, Connecticut about five years ago. And and it's so interesting to see what happens when readers are either physically at the table for editorial meetings or listening in and, and tweeting in questions from afar. I think that for me, no matter the device or the strategy, I get excited when newsrooms demonstrate a willingness to be transparent about their processes, a willingness to be accessible to their community, and a willingness to invite community input as they make their decisions. Yeah, this all seems to be so hand in hand with uh, digital journalism, the the ability to, you know, see how your, you know, people are interacting with your content and, and your ability to communicate so much more so than you could just a decade ago. As our industry has evolved, this is so much a part of what we should be doing moving forward, uh, clearly. Establishing these relationships, learning from these relationships, and, you know, imbuing our content with, you know, not the, necessarily the views of our audience, but, you know, speaking to them in the ways that they want to communicate and uh, access our content. Establishing these relationships have a, have a better dialogue with them, you know, anticipating what they, they, they're interested in, giving them things that they're not even going to think they're going to be interested in because you know who they are, you know, hey, you're really going to like this because yep. you like to solve this other stuff. 
So where can people find uh, the information about your study? Trustingnews.org has key findings from each of those three themes that I mentioned. And it also has a searchable database of almost 500 Facebook posts where we screen grabbed the posts and tagged them according to how successful they were, how big the newsroom is according to Facebook followers, um, and which strategies each newsroom tried. And so you can look just at the ones that are from newsrooms your size. You can look just at Facebook Live videos or at photo galleries or at comment interactions to look at what worked and didn't work for these newsroom partners. Okay. If you could grab a journalist and say, stop doing this, what's the one thing you would tell them to stop doing in the engagement arena? That's a great question. I would say stop thinking that you know what your audience wants from you and look at what they have shown you repeatedly they want from you and change how you're doing journalism to take into account what you now know that they need. Joy, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. This has been great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Next time on It's All Journalism. Sheila and Kate walked out the front door together. It was March 1975. Two sisters just disappeared. The search for 12-year-old Sheila and 10-year-old Catherine Lyon traumatized the nation's capital for 40 years. Everyone knew about the case of the Lyon sisters. The investigation continues. A new investigative podcast from WTOP. Download it on Podcast One and iTunes. In our next podcast, we have Neil Augenstein in studio talking about his new podcast, The Investigation Continues. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about digital media. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, I've written a book. You can order copies of Turn Up the Volume, a Down and Dirty Guide to Podcasting on our website. Visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. Isn't it time you started your podcast? Do you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism? Now you can show your support on our Patreon page. Follow the link at the top of our website and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access exclusive content and receive updates about upcoming episodes. Donate a little bit more and we'll send you cool swag like our It's All Journalism mug or a signed copy of my podcasting book. There are even opportunities for you to submit ideas for future shows or even appear on an episode. Go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the Patreon link to find out more. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.